the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. But, uh, springtime continues, does it not? I would say springtime is here. Very good, Kathy. If you're in the Pittsburgh area and listening, you just heard the, the number 74. 74. For those of you who are watching the show on Facebook, uh, and you can do that, the Ride Home with John and Kathy or 101.5 Word FM, and you didn't hear our weather forecast, I want you to know it had the number 74 mm-hmm. in it. I, uh, I was looking online today, and I had a little, um, uh, had a little uh, desire to head on over to the, um, the Phipps Conservatory uh, page. Did you? Because I thought, well, you know what? I thought I need to get to the flower show. Well, you should, because I went and saw the whole thing, every bit the, of it on Saturday. The flower show. How I, was it? Well, okay, I got to be honest with you. When we went in, I was thinking that maybe they were going to skimp a little bit this year, knowing that their numbers were going to have to be down because you can only have a certain number of people inside the conservatory at one time. And maybe they would, you know, go a little light on things. Sure. It was full bore. It was every bit as fabulous as it's ever been. Really? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get over there. That's, I loved I mean, it. That, that's truly springtime in Pittsburgh, isn't it? I'm a Phipps. member, John. Yeah, I know you're a member. Yeah. You should maybe treat me a little nicer. A know, senior card. Yeah, you have I, my membership card. I have seen Which I could not find in my wallet Saturday when I was there Uh-oh. for love nor money. Oh, that's good. How humiliating. I know I'm a member. I really, were, I am a member. They were like, uh, are you a member or visitor? I said, oh, I'm a member. They're like, can we see your card? No, mm-hmm. actually. Nope. No, no. Did they let you in? Did you find it? They did let me in, but I couldn't find it. They just what? took my word for it. They took your word mm-hmm. for it? I mean, we'd paid. We'd paid for the flower show online. You you have to, and let me just say this. If you're interested in going to the flower show, you have to buy your tickets online. Why is that? Because they were completely sold out on Saturday. Oh, I, see, I see. No no walk-ins. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't imagine. Yeah. yeah, because you have to decide what time you're going to go, and they can only, you know. Of course. Of course, set aside a certain number Fit of people. You in because you know why that? Because COVID. COVID ruins everything. Mm, it does, yeah. Why? All right. Hey, uh, as we always do, we get underway at the top of the show for the four o'clock hour. Kath has compiled the uh, top four news stories of the day. So, Kath, as always, please, won't you give us the top four at four? For Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. Number one, police today identified a 21-year-old man as the suspect to open fire inside a crowded Colorado supermarket in an attack that killed 10 people, including an officer, and sent terrorized shoppers and employees scrambling for cover. The AP is reporting that the shooter was from the Denver suburb of Arvada and that he engaged in a shootout with police inside the Boulder store. He is being treated at a hospital and was expected to be booked into the county jail last evening. Investigators have not established a motive, but authorities believe he was the only shooter. The dead ranged in age from 20 to 65. Great for peace. 
Number two. In Miami Beach, spring breakers are dancing on top of cars and packing the streets with few masks in sight, even as police try to impose some measure of order. Meanwhile, in England, vacationers seeking their share of fun and sun may soon face hefty fines. Yes. According to the Washington Post, a new law imposing a penalty of 5,000 pounds for those who attempt to travel abroad without a good reason is expected to pass later this week, highlighting the glaring contrast between Europe and the U.S. at a time when vaccination rates are rising, but the coronavirus pandemic is nowhere near over. Now listen to this. While states such as Texas have cast aside mask mandates and fully reopened over the past few months, European countries, including France, Germany, and Italy, have announced strict new shutdowns. The result is that two parallel pandemics are unfolding. As Americans freely flock to restaurants, shopping malls, and water parks, plazas in major European cities remain empty as stores are shuttered and gatherings remain off limits. Now, last summer, if you think back, Europe was kind of like our role model in dealing with the virus. But nine months later, the roles reversed. Listen to this quote. Of all places, America, whose bleak pandemic statistics we looked at pityingly for so long, is now showing Europe how to get a crisis of the century under control. So says a German correspondent. Quote, the vaccination spurt in the U.S. is only possible through an effort coordinated by Washington, which is so sorely missed in Europe. How okay. about that? How about the Europeans saying, let's look at the Americans for something? I like huh? it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's out for those spring breakers? Let me just say one thing. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, my wife and I spent a few hours outside. We were assembling the uh, new family grill. Yes. And I took it upon myself because I was worried. I went inside and sprayed some suntan lotion on me. Let me say one thing. Mm-hmm. It was joyful. Joyful. <laughs> I put so that on. It was as if, though, I was transported. There's, I mean, suntan lotion. I, I, I never thought about that. I might put start putting that on, like, in January next year. It Maybe lifted lift me elsewhere. Okay. The experience was I'm, otherworldly. I mean, I'm not, not going to tell you not to. I'm only, I've only finished number two. Right, Back off. Number three. City Council, John, unanimously adopted a ban on owning alligators, crocodiles, and other similar reptiles. After a spate of reptile complaints two years ago, city council had been working on a law that would still allow the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium to operate freely. And they finally approved this restriction. So it's not just good for Pittsburgh taxpayers, but good for the reptiles as well. Because which of them really want to end up in the Mon? Really? Nobody. Number four. And it's National Puppy Day. So do yourself a favor and give some pets and pets to a baby dog near you. And that's your top four at four. Puppy, I don't have the energy for a puppy. I just mm. don't. I mean, puppies are a lot. Yeah, they're they're awful lot. I mean, that's. I, I read the other day that the uh, you know all the people the the rage of getting dogs during you know this past year mm-hmm. that uh, any number of those percentage of dogs are now finding their way back into shelters and um, other people's hands because of course it, it's an awful lot to have a dog. People right? realize that they didn't know what they were getting into when yep, they said yep. yes to the dog. I am sorry to see that the, well, not sorry, but I understand the ban on the turtles, yeah. the red-eared sliders, because right. we, we had red-eared sliders in our house for many a year, loved them, but eventually they did find their way elsewhere. That's a lot of work as well. I mean. It really is. Yeah. They're dirty And animals. do you really want to see a red-eared slider end up in the mon? That's no, the no, bottom no, because believe me, it's not going to last. No, and none of us want to be in the mon. So do we really want the red-eared slider that we've come to know and love in the mon? Do you ever go swimming in the in the rivers? No. When we were kids, we did all the time. 
Did you really? Oh, yeah, sure. Did you jump off the West End Bridge? I mean, what are you talking about? No, I'd go with my brother, my big brother, who was six years older than me. So, like, I was six, he was 12. I was 12, he was 18. He had some friends. We'd always go. Where where were you going? Down to McKee's Rocks. Down to McKee's Rocks? Yeah. Okay. I don't know any, like... Riverside destinations in McKee's Rocks. Well, we weren't. I know that. For Were you sure. jumping off like a bridge pillar or something? <laughs> we went swimming in the, in the river. I do know okay. that as a child. I mean, I, I mean, it, I guess if you're down at Fox Chapel, like near the Yacht Club, that you could, you know, jump in there. What if you had a boat and you were outside uh, PNC Park? Wouldn't that be great? Would you, would you See, dip in there? Sound, that doesn't sound great to me. I'd no. dip in there. Would I would you? definitely. No, I don't think I'd would. dip in there. Mike, would you dip in? I would. I definitely yeah, would. See. I'd jump in. What the heck, you guys? Heck yeah. it, a river is fast moving and real dirty. It, believe me, it's much cleaner than it's been. I'd I'd be happy to jump in the river. Okay. Yeah. I'd be happy to see you jump in the river. Right. Just don't I just bring probably a wouldn't join slider you there. or a snake or some dang thing that's going to come get your feet. Which is why we have a new band, City of Pittsburgh. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back. We got a jam packed show for you today, big time. Uh, we are going to talk next. Um, how, how can we address, address income inequality? Yeah, can we? we? Straight ahead, the ride home Tuesday edition, right here, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We are Word FM. One hundred one point five WORD. Marvin and Tamika Washington are convinced that their parents have it easy. You get to buy stuff you want all the time. Oh, such as toothpaste, and don't forget the new toilet plunger. Suddenly, I feel like a very rich man. On the next Adventures in Odyssey, the Washington family decides to switch places for a day. The kids become the parents, and the parents become the kids. Find out how the great experiment turns out on the next Adventures in Odyssey tonight at eight on one hundred one point five. Word FM, W-O-R-D. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Still paying outrageous premiums for your health insurance? Or maybe you settled with a ministry plan, some short-term medical or limited benefit plan that lacks the coverage you need? This is Kathy Emmons for my friends at Marley Financial. Every agency offers the same stuff, well, Except for Marley. Marley Financial now offers a unique ACA clone that looks, feels, and most importantly, acts just like a Blue Cross plan. In fact, it's even better. You can go to any hospital or facility anywhere in the country. They'll actually waive your deductible for inpatient and surgery. Does your plan do that? Plus, they can customize your plan to reduce your costs for the rest of your life. Contact Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496. You don't have to wait till open enrollment, 724-884-1496, or visit MarleyFG.com. Nobody does health insurance like Marley, 724-884-1496. 
Don't let pests scare away your business. Get the help you need at BoozBugStoppers.com. When cold drives pests and rodents inside, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team has your business covered. Get a free quote on your pest control and sanitation plan for the upcoming year with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Where can you find a mattress store that truly puts your needs first? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. Our team is here with a no-pressure approach to help you find the right mattress to meet your unique needs. Whether it's back support, comfort, or long-term durability you're seeking, nobody knows more about what makes a great mattress great. We want to make sure you're prepared to make the best choice for you, whether you buy from us or not. Stop by your local OMF store to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Income inequality. I mean, it's a thing, right? Income inequality. What's the old song? The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. In the meantime, in between time, ain't we got love? Well, it'd be nice to have a little um, parody in some way, right? Uh, Greg Phelan is back with this. Greg is his associate professor of economics at Williams College. He earned his college and graduate degrees from Yale University. His research focuses on macroeconomics and financial theory. And he wrote a piece that uh, really caught our attention. How can we address income inequality? It's at the Gospel Coalition. And Greg, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Good to hear from you. Yeah, always good to have you back on, or always good to have you on the program. Happy to have you hey, back. Kathy. I kind of combined two thoughts there at one time, Greg. Um, okay, so <laughs> this is this is a difficult topic um, because it seems like there are several stories that are being played out. So one is that you know we're all witnessing the rise of the you know the new robber barons, right? We have you know the people who run Amazon and Google and Facebook who are you know gigantically, unbelievably wealthy, and so the gap between them and the poor in America is unfathomable. At the same time, overall, um, people who are in poverty are doing better, quote unquote, than they have in the past. So how, how do we think about income inequality? Yeah, it you you guys said it right. It's a it's a tough topic. And even when I teach my students, I always have to tell them be nice because it's uh, it's just easy to to say the wrong thing and get somebody upset. Um, so there's there there are two two issues to think about. And one is, it used to be that a rising tide lifted all ships, yeah. that the economy was growing, and basically everybody's income would go up together. And that was really true after World War II, until about 1980, uh, you know, the late 70s, mid 70s, 1980. Um, and since then, it's really been, as the economy grew, your income only goes up if you're in the top 10%. Um, and so it's just a really different um, trend than, than we had before. Um, so that's the first piece is, is it's changed. And the second one is there's, there's not only the question of what's the sort of distribution of income like right now, who's earning more and who's earning less, but there's also the question of mobility and how easy is it for somebody who's born into a poor family to, to climb the ladder and end up earning a lot. And that has also gone down tremendously over the last few decades. So that now somebody who's born poor um, is a lot more likely to, 
to grow up to be poor than than it used to be. All right. So then what happened, Greg? I mean, when you look at America from, you know, after the Great Depression, the beginning of World War Two, and then uh, periods of great prosperity, the 1950s, of course, the boom of all that, and then the 60s. I mean, uh, from a Pittsburgh perspective, I think we can see this, you know, in a microcosm. There were people that I grew up with whose, you know, uh, dad maybe didn't even graduate from high school, but he worked at the mill with U.S. Steel. He had a union job and, you know, they did pretty darn good. Now the mills closed in Pittsburgh, the union jobs went away, and people really sort of were having to catch up and try to make ends meet. Were the unions the thing that drove income equality? And are their demise one of the reasons why we find ourselves in the situation we're in? So there are, you asked a really good question that has lots of answers, which is to say we don't have any one answer. Um, And the other thing to point out is it, uh, the rising income inequality is seen in a lot of other countries as well. Um, So there's nothing. Yeah. So if you look at um, the UK, if you look at, uh, I actually, I pulled up my, my notes so I could have, if you look at Australia, if you look at the UK, um, even if you look at a little bit in Sweden and France, not depending on how you measure it, you, you see some measures of, of this same pattern. Um, so there's a couple things that have happened. One is the rise of computers and information technology. If your job uses computers, um, improved productivity benefits you. So the, the example that I give my students is, you know, if I, if my job is to, to dig holes with a shovel in, improved computing powder doesn't make my life any easier. I'm not going to be more productive. My wages aren't going to rise, but the person who's in charge of scheduling the logistics of where, where are we digging holes today? Who is using computers? That person is going to become more productive and is going to earn higher wages. So that's something that economists call skill biased technical change that the way that the economy grows now it benefits you if you have a high skilled job. Um, the second piece, and, and you alluded to this, is is then globalization, which you should say from the start has been a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous good for the global poor. Mm-hmm. So two billion people, you know, we can say have come out of poverty as a result of coming on to the, the global economy. So for a lot of the poorest of the poor in the world, it's been great. Um, but it has, um, as, as firms can relocate, um, it has meant that, uh, you know, I, I don't, in some ways, I don't want to say low skill workers because it can be taken the wrong way. But there are workers in the U.S. who now have to compete with comparable or similar types of workers in India or China sure. who work for much, much less. Right. Um, and so that is another big piece of if you had those jobs now, you're competing on a global scale in a way that that just wasn't true um, 50 years ago. Right. Now, yeah, on yesterday's show, Greg, we had a, a man join us from the uh, Christian Appalachia Project. And uh, he, he talked about, you know, the demise of the uh, the coal mining jobs. He said, you know, for a lot of years, people may, would make sixty five or $70,000 a year going down into the earth under, you know, those heinous conditions. They were rewarded well. Now the coal, of course, is, you know, fading away in Appalachia. 
Uh, some people have been able to shift to uh, jobs like, you know, information jobs. But, you know, when you call into a call center, right, you may be speaking someone in Appalachia, maybe, but more often than not, you're probably speaking to someone in India, right? Or maybe, you know, in some far flung location. So it doesn't matter if you're in Kentucky or, you know, if you're, you know, in some small town in India, it's the same thing. And big corporations will tend to look at that pretty much the same way. Yeah. And, you know, I, you, you, that's a great example you bring up because an economist looking, looking at things from, you know, their office and just looking at, at, at people as numbers would say, well, you know, the good news is we give people time and they'll learn new skills. And instead of working in coal mines or working in whatever, whatever sector it was, eventually they can move into other sectors that we actually need more. Um, but that can take a generation. And so the, the, the transition of moving people out of one sector into to new sectors can be very painful for the people at the time. And Appalachia, I think, is actually a really good example of like when people ask, why should we care about rising inequality? Why should we care about these changes? Um, one of the big, uh, maybe the guy yesterday talked about this, one of the big trends of the last 20 years has been what people call deaths of despair. And it's, it's people who they, they feel like the economy is leaving them behind and they can't find good work, you know, however you define good. And so a combination of, of drugs and alcohol or, or direct means, they have higher mortality rates that have just been steadily going up for about 20 years. So there's a real human cost to these transitions even though, you know, maybe maybe 30 years from now, those families would be working in jobs that are that are better than mining coal, but but not right now. Right. And right now is uh, very immediate to the people who are suffering. Right. Greg Phelan's with us, associate right. professor of economics at Williams College. Um, so, Greg, let so what do we. I hesitate to even ask the question, what do we do about it? Because I, I guess we need to first ask the question, should we do anything about it. I mean, there's never, there's never been a society that has had true income equality. And when they said that there was a society that had income equality, you know, the, the party rulers had the dockas by the river and the regular people were, you know, poor as dirt. (laughs) Right. Okay. Let me just say one thing on top of that, Greg, sorry, I'll I'll just chime in here. You know, um, I I don't know about your church, but at my church, and this is just a microcosm, right? There are people who are on the far, far fringes of, I know, you know, the socioeconomic ladder. They're, they're down and out. They're, I'm sure they're just getting by. But at the same time, I also know that there are people within our church who are former corporate CEOs, you know, who have since retired and have made fabulous livings. And so I think to me, that's the beauty of the melting pot of at least our church is that there's all these people together and I would imagine, you know, that mix when we get together and we have conversations, whether it's, you know, at potlucks or, you know, small groups, those people are in the same room together. There's got to be some sort of goodness or exchange there that's worth investigating. I think that is the probably the best thing that any typical person can do to address inequality. Mm-hmm. And to the question of should we you know, it's gotten worse. And uh, to a look at some other, you know, examples from history, when it gets too wide, at some point, you know, there's a political crisis. And so it's best to avoid that. 
Um, uh, but there's there's actually there's you know good economic research. There's some places where like economic mobility is high, where people can be born poor and and they and they move up. And you know there's a couple things that that make for better mobility. But two of them, two of, or three of them, I should say, are better schools, um, better social capital, and family stability. Mm, and so I think like if a, if a church is saying, what could we do? to address, you know, inequality. And it's too big of a problem. I mean, like these are global forces that are acting on a global scale, but something that's just good for the locality are to have better schools, um, to have greater social capital. And so, you know, the example you gave of, you know, somebody who's rich and somebody who's, who's poor getting together at the, at a potluck and knowing each other and knowing their needs and knowing their strengths and, and, you know, at some point that former executive says, hey, I've got a friend who, you know, he could he could use a guy like you for as an intern or whatever it is. And those are the kind of breaks that that give everybody a leg up. Like even when, I, you know, when I think of the jobs that I've gotten, the you know, it was a connection here or a person I know. And and that's how things happen. And so yeah. those social ties and, and family stability are really are really beneficial for for people moving up. And so I think that's something that that a lot of people could be on board with supporting. Like this is a good good thing to do. Well, okay, that's a really thoughtful uh, take on this. I really appreciate that. Dr. Greg Phelan with this associate associate professor of economics at Williams College. Thanks so much for joining us again, Greg. Thanks, Kathy. Great to talk to you. Yeah, always a pleasure. Take a, a quick break. Speaking of employment. Uh, Prince Harry, he himself, has a job. Hey! A new job. We'll talk Great. about that. He's not a Walmart. Right now, there are more starving people on Earth than ever before. Drought, hurricanes, a global pandemic, all have led to millions of people who were once hungry, now living on the edge of starvation. People on the brink of starvation going from 135 million to 270 million people around. So where is the hope? The hope comes through you. You bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. Today, you can make sure a child has the life-saving food she needs to thrive during these difficult times. Through Food for the Poor, $37 gives six months of life-saving food. So how many children can you rescue? Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. When you give food, you give hope and life. Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. It only takes a moment to rescue a child. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. Or click the Food for the Poor banner at wordfm.com. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, my pillow is offering the premium my pillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. They are regularly sixty nine ninety eight. It's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800 
391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Save up to $300 on top-rated brands like Sealy and Sleepy's at Mattress Firm right now. And you can get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 or more to elevate your sleep every night. Save big. Sleep better. Shop the semi-annual sale now. You could win $12,000 towards a new vehicle for you and another $12,000 for a hometown hero. When you enter the Kindness Challenge, go to wordfm.com to enter the Kindness Challenge today. That's wordfm.com. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight will be mostly cloudy and mild with on and off rain and drizzle late, the low 52. Tomorrow, a shower in the area early in the morning. It'll be breezy and warm with clouds breaking for some sunshine. Tomorrow's high 71. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy and mild with a low of 54. Thursday, some sun, then turning cloudy, remaining warm with spotty afternoon showers and a high of 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. No longer a working member of the royal family, Prince Harry has a new job as an executive at a Silicon Valley startup, the Duke of as Sussex. Ex- wait, he starts as an executive. Mm-hmm. Isn't that oh, yeah. great when that's your first job as an executive? Well, he's royalty. I mean, you know, it's not going to be like in the mailroom, right? Well, okay. You know, I mean, I'm is- so. You know what? I'm so American when it comes to thinking about the royalty. I'm just so over it. I don't know. I mean, you know. His title is the Duke of Sussex. I mean, he doesn't have any more. He relinquished his title. He will become the chief impact officer of something called Better Up, which is apparently a fast growing coaching and mental health firm. The company announced plans today. The role is the latest foray into the business for the Duke and his wife, who uh, have relinquished their roles as full time working members of the British monarchy. Late last month, they inked the deal for Netflix. Get this, a hundred million dollars. Stop it! To produce future content oh for Netflix, and apparently they also have a Spotify uh, podcast thing that's going to happen as well, which they are receiving some five million dollars a month. Oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding! Okay, now these are the people who were just on Oprah. Remember him talking about how he was cut off financially in 2020, and she said. You didn't get any money from your family in 2020. And he said, yes, in the first half. I mean, the first quarter. And then I'm like, now, wait a minute. So you went three months without a paycheck and you're already a gajillionaire with all the money that your mother left you. And now I I find out he signed a $140 million contract with Netflix. I I applaud it. I do. I mean, at least he's going to be out there. I applaud that he's going to, you know, pick it up. And do something. He's going to show okay, up every I'm day. Glad he has a job. All right. He's got a job. So, yeah. I mean, this is unusual, right? I mean, I, it's well, unusual for know, a royal to have a job. Yeah. Here's the thing. I did a little, because, you know, I have such a I bad attitude a about it. I tried to do a fair, like, search last week and kind of read about royals who have had jobs. And there are royals who've had jobs. And it's very difficult for them. Because when they have a job, 
they're the uh, the company that they work for inevitably tends to run afoul of somebody. And if anybody who's a British citizen complains about the company, then it reflects badly on the crown. Well, so now and that so they left the crown. Yeah, and so it's very hard. I'm trying to be sympathetic here, John. You're supposed good. to encourage me. I am. No, I'm saying. Empathetic, it's a very not good really thing. sympathetic. So I, I did read with sadness several of the stories about, about you know, the lesser royals who have tried to strike out on their own and have jobs. And they a lot of them end up leaving the position because it reflects badly on the crown. People start complaining, and then they basically get run out. Right. Well, that won't happen in America because, as you said, we have a very complicated, weird relationship, right? I mean, it's not as though, you know, what, what did you say? What would you call them? Former royals? Or, yeah. Oh, no, you called them lesser royals. Well, I didn't mean that for lesser as far royals. as Harry and Meghan. I no, meant no, no, for, no. Like, you know, yeah. so it would be yeah, like, like, you some, know. Like, like some, who's like, um, who's Prince Charles' younger brother? The one who was married to Fergie? Andrew. Andrew. Andrew's oh, daughters. Don't, don't go I, there. Andrew, I mean, right. That's a whole Andrew's other story as well. Are, are uh, one of the daughters is, is who I read about. And it was a really sad story about she just wanted to have a job have and a life. Like, do something and have a life. And she ended up having to leave the position because it was mm. just, you know, people, it was okay, too fraught so with politics. You can see why they would do that, why they would come to America and say, we don't want to be part of this machinery. Yeah. So don't go on Oprah and complain about the whole thing. Well, you know, I mean, that's I'm fine. If they want to come in America to America and relinquish their thing, more power to them. I think it's great. If they right. want to, if that's more emotionally healthy for them and their kids, but skip the Oprah thing. I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem. I, mean, I didn't watch it, but you know, by doing that, they raised the profile for us. So look, here we are. We're speaking about right, it. Right. I know. You know, and of course, I'd rather be talking about something else. Get the Netflix deal, and now you know the other things. So Hundred forty million dollars, boy! Everything's coming up roses. They get a job, I and mean, everybody needs a job. Everybody wants to be of use, don't you think so? Yes. Want to be of service. I'm, do- my only problem is the Oprah thing. The worth and value. Eh, it's okay. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, Jay Vernon McGee. You may know the name. When you know the name, you may hear the voice in your head. It is distinct. They go hand in hand. It's time to get on the Bible bus for the 11th time. We'll talk about that next. Steve Schwartz. 101.5 WORD. In our journey through Revelation, we've witnessed the end of the devastating Great Tribulation and the victorious return of Jesus to earth. Now, Dr. J. Vernon McGee tells us about true peace on earth as Christ reigns for a thousand years. But as those years come to an end, what happens next? We'll find out as we make our way through the Bible. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. When was the last time you watched your home movies? Do you have a VCR anymore? What about a film projector? With technology constantly changing, most families don't have a way to enjoy their recorded memories, trapped on VHS, camcorder tapes, film reels, and photos. That's why we created Legacy Box over a decade ago. Legacy Box is an affordable mailed-in kit to have your aging media digitized to DVD, thumb drive, or the cloud. Our trained technicians digitize everything by hand right here in the U.S. Imagine being able to easily relive weddings, graduations, baby's first steps, and more. Get started future-proofing your memories today so you can gather the whole family together and begin the trip down memory lane. Plus, for a limited time, we're offering 40% off. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get an exclusive 40% off. Buy today to take advantage of this incredible offer and send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. 
What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing matter license in all 50 states and at mustconsumeraccess.org number 3030. I'm Pastor Tom Hall of First Church Pittsburgh. Like you, I can't wait for this crazy time to be over. But in spite of how things seem, God isn't done with us. Join us at fpcp.org Sundays at 1045. Stream us on Facebook. Let's discover together how this story ends. Hint, Jesus wins. For cancer patients, being a survivor doesn't begin at remission. It begins at diagnosis. Word FM presents Survivor Stories, stories of hope, of faith, and courage in the words of patients and caregivers who are living through cancer together. Share your story at wordfm.com. Survivor Stories, sponsored in part by Young Adult Survivors United and Gaskin Associates. Details at wordfm.com. get on the Bible bus for the 11th time. If you are a regular listener here on 101.5 Word FM, you know the ministry through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. Steve Schwetz is with us. Uh, you'll understand uh, exactly why he's with us as soon as you hear this. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, John. I really appreciate it. I don't know yes. if Pleasure you would be able to tell just based on my voice, especially on the phone, but uh, oh, thank no. you for that. We would, definitely, we would definitely be able to tell. You're like one of those guys that does commercials and you see their face and you're right. like, oh my gosh, that person has a face. I can't believe it. Yeah, And Steve, I imagine it's got to be pretty common. What, do you ever go through the Starbucks drive-in and someone tags you for who you are? No, I, I never get recognized. I did one time, actually because of Through the Bible, when I was I, I had a job as a medical sales rep uh, selling surgical equipment, and I was in Bakersfield, and I walked into a surgeon's office, and I was trying to get in to see him, and there was a gentleman sitting uh, waiting to see the surgeon as well, and he recognized my voice. That was really, the, I think, the only time I kind of really? out in the wild, if you will, and then other people, uh-huh. it just kind of comes up that they're... I bet you that that's not the only time. I bet there've been a lot of people who've thought, now, wait, how do I know know that that voice? And it didn't come to them until later. Because of course, you're not wearing like you're through the Bible cap or anything Mm -hmm. all the time when you're out. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about through the Bible. Uh, When did it premiere on the air? Uh, Well, originally 1967 is when Dr. McGee started. uh, And then, uh, yeah, we're now on our incredible 11th cycle, five years each. So we're starting our 55th year. Um, on a ministry that um, just you can't you put a bunch of smart people in the room nobody is building through the bible teaching through the word of god five days a week taking five years to do it taking a speaker who's you know gone to be with the lord in the late 80s um, and letting it not only continue to survive and be aired but have it grow multiple times the size it was uh, in the late 80s and, and have over half of what comes in from a financial support standpoint go out into the international uh, world with all the different languages we're translating into now. Wow. 
I mean, it is singularly unique, mm-hmm, Steve. It, is. it truly is. And I'm sure you spend a lot of time thinking about this and praying about this. 1967. Now, you came along a lot longer in the process. Uh, talk to us about J. Vernon McGee. I mean, that voice, that style of preaching and teaching, it's of a different era, but it still resonates very strongly with millions of people in the 21st century. Can you talk to us about Jay Vernon, some important things might we might know or be surprised by? Well, I just think, I mean, he if you spend any time listening to through the Bible, he refers to himself as just a, a poor preacher um, out of Texas. And uh, he just, he had a love for the Word of God. And I think one of the things that made the ministry, makes the ministry today unique is, you know, most other teaching programs are a byproduct of a pastor's pulpit ministry. And we have that with our Sunday sermon program. If you ever go to listen to the Sunday sermon, um, very different preaching style than what is available Monday through Friday. What's unique with Dr. McGee is he basically sat with not a lapel mic, but a mic that was kind of in front of him, his Bible open and a reel-to-reel sitting next to him. And people talk about how he just, it's like I'm sitting on the on the porch with my grandfather walking me right. through the Bible. And that's, that's really what he was doing. He was just in his study. Wow. Amazing. Steve, talk about when you came on the, uh, the Bible bus, so to speak. Yeah, I, uh, it was really, uh, just the Lord. I was in a, uh, on a pastoral search committee at church, of the open door, which is where Dr. McGee pastored for 21 years. He had, he had left. In fact, the church had moved from downtown Los Angeles to, a the town that I grew up in, in Glendora, and uh, it, this was two or three pastors later. I was on the search committee with, at the time, the president of Through the Bible, and he um, heard me talking. I guess he thought I had a deep enough voice to to do the, you know, do the announcing. I had a lot of people tell me over the years, hey, you have a voice for radio or maybe a face for radio, but they yeah. said you should think about Sorry. doing that. Never, yeah. never had the opportunity, and yet um, – it was literally on a Friday. They said, Hey, why don't you come in and read? Our announcer has got cancer. Maybe he won't, you know, he'll need some time off. You could fill in. So I read on a Friday and Bob Smith, the previous uh, host went to be with the Lord on Sunday. And so they Mm -hmm. said, well, we've got two weeks, three weeks in the can and you're the guy. And so that kind of took my life in a completely different direction. I had my, my house for sale. I was moving up into the Bay area, um, pursuing software sales and, uh, the Lord just kind of turned that whole thing around. Decided to stick around. Okay, so then then talk about this. Yeah. Now, we're, we're going through the 11th cycle. Now, this is really a, an important moment because, of course, you could jump into uh, onto the Bible bus at any time, but the beginning is essentially yeah. important. So for people who don't know through the Bible, and especially what the Bible bus is all about, talk about the that five-year cycle and, and what that entails. Yeah, well, first of all, it's five years going Genesis through Revelation. So he's going to start off in Genesis and then go to Matthew, back and forth, New Testament, Old Testament. But I don't want people—sometimes it's like, hey, do you want to climb Mount Everest today? You can just start right now. And I I know the journey of a thousand miles, Mm -hmm. you know, starts with the beginning step. Don't think of it that way. If anything, if if there's anybody out there who hasn't gone systematically through the Bible— um, just just go in and listen for the first 10 days. And the reason I say that is even before Dr. McGee starts in the book of Genesis, he goes through guidelines for the understanding of the scriptures, and it takes two weeks to do that. And I would just encourage you to listen to those first 10 days. Be skeptical. See if it's something you want to continue to do. And I think after those 10 days, you'll be hooked, and you'll want to continue on. And the beautiful thing about the Bible bus 
is it always comes around your corner every day at a particular time on whatever radio station you're listening to. And if you miss a couple, my, my pastor was very helpful with me on this, where, where, our, where our church tries to read through the book, through the, through the Bible every year. But, you know, life gets busy. Sometimes you fall off and you're like, oh, I got to read through, you know, 30 chapters of something to get caught up. And then you just don't do it. If you miss just tomorrow's a new day, go through the Bible the next day, pick up where Dr. McGee left off. And the beauty of it is it's not like you're watching the series on television where you're like, who are these people? You will be blessed every time you read through the scripture that we're covering and hear Dr. McGee talk about it. it it's, it's beneficial regardless of when you start or whether you're consistent. Fabulous. Steve Schwetz from Through the Bible. So, Steve, we should say, you know, you'll continue on uh, until you are, are not able to, right? I mean, the, the future is still continuing. Um, talk about, you know, your regular involvement with Through the Bible. I mean, are, are you in the studio often? Are you cutting new things or does it stand on its own? No, we're doing new stuff all the time. Um, I'm, I'm a volunteer, so I'm not in on a daily basis, but I'm also vice chairman of the board um, for the ministry. And I say that not to get for people to, you know, pat me on the back of, of, about being a volunteer, but I want people to know and understand that the guy they're listening to believes in this ministry. I'm a supporter financially every month. I'm a volunteer in this ministry, and I think there's no better way that you can support getting the whole word to the whole world fulfilling the Great Commission than by getting involved in Through the Bible. <clears throat> so for us, I record, I've kind of got, I got a little studio in a closet in my house. I've got one uh, at my office, and I usually record, I try to do it in chunks, usually once or twice a week and get through a bunch. And then what we're now doing is we are uh, partnering with Version, which is um, the mm -hmm. largest installation of Bibles uh, in the world. I think they have 400 million installs of their app. And if you've been on, on that, if you're on your phone and you see just a, a little logo that talks that is the Bible, chances are that's you version. And they have a, a lot of Bible studies that they've been building out over the years, but they haven't had a lot that have been systematic. It's really been topical. And so we're working with them and we're doing shorter form content, basically, um, uh, abbreviated versions of Dr. McGee's teaching, and then I have the opportunity to voice those. So the other thing that version wants to do is bring audio into their experience, and so we're taking a lot of these shorter versions, um, some book summaries, we've got the Gospels up, and we're working through the entire New Testament, and you can hear, basically, you can read the Scripture, or you can have the Scripture read to you, you can read the devotional, or you can have me read the devotional to you. And so it's uh, that's just one of the, the, the latest ways that we're going out in the English language, and then I can talk for days about all the stuff we're doing internationally um, that is just so exciting. Nice. You can listen to Through the Bible right here on Word FM at 2 a.m. and at 12.30 p.m. with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You can listen to it twice if you want, 12.30 p.m. and 2 a.m. We're talking to uh, the host of the program, Steve Schwetz. Um, Steve, our time's almost up. Um, but for people who have never, a single time, heard J. Vernon McGee, um, you said earlier it was kind of like, you know, sitting down and having your grandpa talk to you about the Bible. Do um, you feel like that's the best way to describe it? Yeah, well, a, a grandpa who's a who's a great storyteller, not making stuff up, but explaining things has a great sense of humor. I would argue that he's got the as as good a comedic sense of timing um, when he tells his story as any stand up comic. But he's clean, um, and it's just you will have a greater appreciation for Scripture, a greater love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by spending time. 
in the word yourself and having Dr. McGee, you know, walk you through the different passages is just the icing on top, making it that much better. Even especially when you're in the more difficult books, the minor prophets, when you're in, you know, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, we get letters from people saying that they got saved because of, of Leviticus and the teaching of Dr. McGee mm-hmm. on Leviticus. So if you're Isn't skeptical, awesome? give it a try. That's so great. So Steve, well, thanks an awful lot. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, to hear you speak, you have great respect for Dr. McGee. I mm-hmm. mean, you're not calling him J. Vernon McGee. This is really a, a big, strong piece of your life. So really, just kudos to you and through the Bible. The 11th time the Bible bus is uh, starting to go out on its journey, the five-year journey. We're excited for you and for the ministry and the viability of that that continues to stay strong and turn people towards Jesus Christ. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much, John and Kathy. Really appreciate it. Our great pleasure. That's Steve Schwetz, host of Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. The Bible bus, as we say, is leaving. It only leaves every five years. You go through the whole Bible with them, 2 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. right here on Word FM. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Opt. Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Don't let pests haunt your home this winter. Get the help you need at BoozBugStoppers.com. When bats and rodents move in, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team are ready to serve them an eviction notice. Get a free quote on your pest problem today with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to safely treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance, and MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs. And because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by March 31st. You can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. 
QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. John Hayes reports from today's Post-Gazette that the newest resident of Hayes arrived this morning at 3 a.m. when the first eaglet of 2021 pecked through its shell. Uh, Three eggs were laid this past winter. It is unknown the order in which the hatching will occur, but according to Rachel Handel, who is a spokesperson for the Audubon Society of Western Pennsylvania, It has been 39 days since the first eggs dropped in the Pittsburgh community. Bald eagle eggs typically hatch in 35 to 38 days. Now, I love this. There's um, a webcam. It's a a live streaming webcam where you can see the Pittsburgh Hayes bald eagles. I'm looking at it right now live on YouTube. The small gray ball of feathers is visible when the parent, the eagle, stands up. Uh, camera is a joint project of the Audubon Society, Pix Cams, and the Pennsylvania Games Commission. Mother and father eagles share in the incubation duties. But now that the egg has hatched, one adult will remain seated on the eggs, continuing to rotate them. The eaglet will crawl underneath for warmth. warmth. The experienced eagle pair, these two eagles, have nested above a steep ravine in Hayes since 2013. This is their eighth time that they have given birth to multiple eagles, and they could go on for another 10 years or more, continue to breed eagles. So isn't that cool? That is great. I mean, you want to go and see this. It's really super cool. Just type in Pittsburgh Hayes bald eagles on YouTube, and right now you'll see the bald eagle just sitting there in his little nest. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, Always happy to welcome a new uh, citizen in Hayes, right? Super cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And we also, uh, with a local vein as well, in the, continuing these stories, really sad to report the, uh, the death of um, really <laughs> the object of Frank Lloyd Wright's flirtations and later shared her recipes on television, famously cooked for the Kaufman family at Falling Water. Uh, her name is Elsie Henderson. And Elsie was the uh, the chief cook at Falling Water for many a year. She just died this past week at age 107, Elsie Henderson. So how about her? So maybe it was living out in the humidity, you know, on top of the waterfall. Do you think that's what did it? Her incredible know. longevity? I mean, it's just a really cool thing to she think. She seemed like that, a know, delightful person. I wonder what it'd be like to cook in falling water in that kitchen. You've been there, haven't you? Oh yeah. I love falling water to visit, but I think that would not be a pleasant place to live. Why is that? Because it's, it's so damp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like super damp. So like it'd be hard to bake bread or do any baking at all because all of your measurements would be off with the humidity level. Yeah. Well, Elsie published a cookbook called the falling water cookbook. Now, I wonder about this. What's interesting to me about Falling Water is, you know, you think about the Coffin family. They were a very wealthy family. And now, you know, if the Coffin family had been alive today, they would not have built Falling Water like they built it. Because no. you look at that kitchen, you look at Falling Water itself. 
it's a fairly small it is. structure. It's small. It really is. Yeah. I mean, and the living area is not large. The ceilings are very low. Yeah. Um, the furniture is, not, I mean, you, you look at like it's, whatever the furniture is at Falling Water is the opposite from what Lazy Boy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the furniture spectrum. Right. And I would imagine, you know, that uh, the Edgar Kaufman and, the, you know, the Kaufman family, they, they must have been svelte people. Right. They were probably live, yeah. thin. Yeah. Right. You, you know, weren't sort yes. of wandering around there, bumping right. into furniture. Where there's no like be... six foot four person who's right. I'm not saying they're diminutive, but you had to be mm-hmm. to move around. Anyway, Elsie Henderson passes away. The cook mm-hmm. and falling water at 107. God bless you. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Democrats say they're pushing toward a vote on expanded gun control measures as the nation reels from its second mass shooting in a week. President Biden says we have to act, but prospects for any major changes are dim for now in a closely divided Congress. Court documents show that the 21-year-old suspect in the Colorado supermarket shooting purchased an assault rifle less than a week before the attack that killed 10 people. The documents did not say where that gun was purchased. Authorities say Ahmad Alyssa from the Denver suburb of Arvada is responsible for the shooting. Investigators have not yet established a motive. And Regal Cinemas, the second largest movie theater chain in the U.S., will reopen beginning April 2nd. The Dow lost 308 points today. The NASDAQ was off 149. This is SRN News. My best friend is blessed with three kids and a big house. All the kids have their own rooms, but recently, life in that big old house has been different. In an effort to solve kid boredom, my friend bought one of those massive blue tarps and created a full-room tent in the spare bedroom. They put each of the kids' mattresses under the tent in the shape of a T. And every night, for now five weeks, the kids have slept with their heads feet apart instead of rooms apart. He says they've never been closer. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And when I see a home, I can't help but see interest rates, escrows, and trying to help listeners pay the least amount possible. But for me, that story was a needed reminder that it doesn't matter whether our homes are big or small. It only matters whether we're willing to enjoy the little things that God gave us today, like a tarp tent. If you happen to be looking for a new place to put up a tarp of your own, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. Are you the type of person that values hand-built quality? Do you shop with local businesses because you know your purchase supports your neighbors? Or maybe you research before making a purchase because you know better than to trust the marketing hype. If any of this sounds familiar, you just might be an original Mattress Factory customer. At OMF, we value our amazing customers and work hard to exceed their expectations every day. Visit an OMF store near you or OriginalMattress.com to learn more. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know better than anyone that the mattress industry is full of myths. Mattress companies spread misinformation to mislead customers about their features and prices. One of those myths is that two-sided mattresses are old-fashioned. Today's mattresses don't need to be flipped and rotated, they say. But today's one-sided mattresses just aren't as durable. That's why OMF still hand-builds two-sided mattresses, because it's what's best for our customers. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. 
If you owe $27 trillion and you didn't have the money to pay it off, what would you need to do? Well, you need to make a lot more money, right? Well, now America's debt is more than $27 trillion, and right now taxes are at historically low levels. It doesn't take a genius to realize taxes will probably go up. Now, think about your retirement accounts. Do you want to pay taxes on some of that money now when rates are lower or later when rates are much higher? Now, whether you should pay taxes now or in retirement depends on a lot of things. That's why Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group has a free guide called You and Your Taxes to help you determine what's best for you. To get your copy of You and Your Taxes, call or text TAX to 412-515-3555. That's TAX to 412-515-3555. When taxes go up, will you be ready? Get this free guide from Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group now. Call or text TAX to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Our firm may not give tax advice. Tonight will be mostly cloudy and mild with on and off rain and drizzle late below 52. Tomorrow, a shower in the area early in the morning. It'll be breezy and warm with clouds breaking for some sunshine. Tomorrow's high 71. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy and mild with a low of 54. Thursday, some sun, then turning cloudy, remaining warm with spotty afternoon showers and a high of 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. The Tuesday edition, sun is shining. The spare room version of The Ride Home continues. The window's open right now, mm-hmm. and outside in the backyard, I hear the tweeting of birds. Can you hear this? Let me listen. I can hear them. Yeah. What an advance. <laughs> that is way better than the sound of the snowplow going past. That's beautiful, isn't it? Which was the only music we were hearing from your neighborhood for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I mean, as bad as things have been, and believe me, things are pretty wretched. I, I believe that we are in somewhat of a, a small, maybe tiny upturn here. Maybe not. Okay. Even, I'm excited about right? it. The World Happiness Report is out. Is it? Now, yeah, we've talked about this uh, in the years past. We have. The World Happiness Report is out with a prizing picture, they say, of global resilience. Okay. Um, I'm reading from the, today's Washington Post, and they mm-hmm. say, excuse me, that in a conclusion that surprised even its editors, the 2021 World Happiness Report found that amid global hardship, self-reported life satisfaction across 95 countries on average remains steady in 2020 from the previous year. The United States saw the same trend despite societal tumult that yielded a national drop in positive emotions and a rise in negative ones. The country fell one spot, the U.S. did, to 19th in the annual ranking of the report, which was released on Saturday. So we're the 19th happiest country in the world? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's beating us? I'll take that. The happiness report relies upon the Gallup World Poll, which asks respondents to rate their current life satisfaction on a zero to 10 ladder scale. 10 represents the best possible life for you. It's a longer view of happiness. Um, Its steadiness aligns with what other U.S. Gallup polling and some European polling has found during the pandemic that people 
a seven or above. 58.2% of U.S. respondents said their current life satisfaction is at a seven or above. Okay. I'll take that, won't you? Sure, I would, I, of course. I would say, really, last year was so horrible. Mm-hmm. I would say people would like reported a three right. or a four. Right, right, right. I totally agree. Okay, but tell me then about the countries beating us out in the happiness index. Yes. Do you have a listing? Um, I do. I thought you might ask for that. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I as you might you imagine, we the um, the top countries. This is so weird. The top countries always uh, generally are the um, the, the Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, well, why? I mean, why wouldn't you buy? It's very that? cold. What? It's very cold there. Well, I mean, it's cold, but you know, they they get this guaranteed income, do they not? Listen. That that is not going to provide happiness okay. for the populace. Let I just don't buy that either. Here. Listen, I sound very opinionated. Sure Boy, Mike, I'm crabby today. Like yesterday, I thought I le- left that behind, but all of a sudden, it's like bad. Let me go top ten uh, forward, okay? So yes. the tenth happiest country in the world is Austria. Austria, okay. Mm-hmm. Then at number nine, New Zealand. Then Norway. Okay. Germany. Sweden, Netherlands, Switzerland, Denmark, Iceland, Finland. I mean, how Finland can you argue and with that? Cap? Are the happiest people on earth? The Finnish, the Finns, and the, the people who live people. in Iceland. Yeah. First of all, there there are very few people who live in either place compared to the number of people who live in China or mm-hmm. Russia or the United States. Canada is not on that list anywhere. Canada. Uh, not in the, see. not in the top twenty. Right? Uh, here's the the top twenty. Here's the twentieth twentieth France. Oh wow! Nineteen Taiwan, UK, Belgium, the Czech Republic, Canada pulls up at number fifteen. Here it is. The U.S., Ireland, Australia, number eleven, Israel. Hmm. Okay. Let me see. Let's look at the. Uh, let me see. 49th, let me go down to the very bottom, the poor people at the very bottom of the list. Uh, number 95, Zimbabwe. Hmm. Then Tanzania, Jordan, India. Cambodia surprises me. Hmm. Uh, Myanmar, Egypt, Kenya, Ethiopia, Tunisia, Iraq, Morocco. Those are all at the bottom. North Korea hasn't registered yet. That's kind of surprising. Well, they're probably not allowed to take the, exactly. the, the, the poll, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know... Not okay. In, in All right. So I've talked about this before, but this was really a, uh, a foundational, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, it was a shift for me, but it was certainly an eye opener. When I traveled to Germany um, a year and a half ago, I was there for a good amount of time. I was there for a little more than two weeks. And so I got to meet a lot of people who lived there, stayed with some people, that sort of thing. And every one of them was so, as I told you, as I've mentioned before, very, very eager to visit the United States if they hadn't already. But none of them, none of them thought that they would be happier. None of the adults, the kids did. None of the adults thought they would be happier happier in the United States because of how little vacation time we get. (laughs) <laughs> that was really? across the board. Every single Wait, that came up. adult. Oh, came up in every conversation I had with an adult about, you know, people Retail. I was having, not somebody I was talking to at a store, but like somebody I was sitting down and having a meal yeah, with yeah. or something like that. You stayed with was, people. Uh-huh. That was always the thing is that we, we would love to visit the United States. All their kids want to move there, move to the States. 
But when it comes to the adults, they say we would never live there because you work too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Germany is actually number one for countries that use the most vacation days. Yep. <laughs> number one. They're no fools. Taking some vacation time. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Now, here's another th- interesting thing. And I'm just talking about one country just yep. because it was the first one that came to my head. Um, they live in very small houses, mm. very small houses compared to here. And you, um, you ha- if, you, if you like picture this, Mike, if you and Mrs. New Mike were going to buy a house, you would have to go to like the whatever their equivalent of a magistrate's office is. And you would say, okay, I'm Mike. This is my wife, Mrs. New Mike. And uh, this is our, our son. And we're hoping to maybe have another child or another two children. And they would tell you what kind of house you could live in. Oh, wow. So you don't get to go out and just look in the market to see what kind of house you can. It's not about what house you can afford. Really, it's the it's the kind of house they say that you're allowed to live. Okay, so they, you're not calling. Are they like? Are they telling you? Okay, you can you can live in these top five houses or whatever that we found for you. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Okay. I just know that there's only a certain amount of square footage allotted for like a family of four. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. And no matter what you do, you can't get a house. Really? Yeah. Wow. We talk talk about uh, the guy from Aldi. Oh yeah. The, one of the guys that I uh, spent a lot of time with when I was there lived right down the street from the man who owns Aldi, which is an oh, international wow. corporation. Right. right. And the guy I was speaking to was an executive at um, Aldi and his, so was his oh. wife and their house. Both of their houses are smaller than mine. Really what? smaller than yours. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, you got 40,000 feet. I mean, oh, yeah. most people's houses are smaller. I, okay. So I have a 2000 square foot house. Okay. And their house, both of their houses are smaller than mine. Wow. wow. All right. But they take some time off though. And yeah. And they love, they, and they, they travel all over the place mm, because they nice. have a ton of time to do it. You know what I mean? They, they'll take three weeks and, you know, go all over Eastern Europe or they'll take three weeks and go to, you know, Russia and go to all the stands or what? I mean, they just have a ton of time. Would you guys mm-hmm. rather sacrifice a small house to travel the world or the, well, or I don't know. Or That's what yes, I've, I've I would. Been, yes. You yes. would. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I would On too. a heartbeat. Yeah. I think I would doubt. too. Well, yeah. Of course. And here's the thing. The reason I brought it up and the reason I said it was like eye opening is I would never have said that until I went there and talked to them. That's why traveling is so healthy is mm-hmm. because it opens your eyes to things you wouldn't have thought. I really surprised myself when mm-hmm. I was I thought, oh, wait, maybe they do know what they're doing and we're the dumb ones. So, all right. So speaking of travel, we'll leave uh, this uh, worldly uh, domain and travel to heaven next. We're going to talk about heaven. What does that look like? How do you get there? Straight ahead on the ride home. One oh one point five WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. This is a love lifestyle. It is the Lord's lifestyle. If Jesus has shown kindness to us, we should show kindness to others. If Jesus has forgiven you, you should love and forgive others. We are to love like the Lord. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. Right now, there are more starving people on Earth than ever before. Drought, hurricanes, a global pandemic, all have led to millions of people who were once hungry, now living on the edge of starvation. People on the brink of starvation going from 135 million to 270 million people around. So where is the hope? The hope comes through you. 
You bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. Today, you can make sure a child has the life-saving food she needs to thrive during these difficult times. Through Food for the Poor, $37 gives six months of life-saving food. So how many children can you rescue? Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. When you give food, you give hope and life. Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. It only takes a moment to rescue a child. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. Or click the Food for the Poor banner at wordfm.com. From executive producer and MyPillow founder, Mike Lindell, comes the hilarious new faith-based comedy, Church People, with a special guest appearance from Mike himself. Church People is a hilarious, heartwarming reminder that the gospel is enough. It all starts when America's youth pastor, Guy Sides, realizes he's stuck in the megachurch marketing machine and wants to find his passion again. But when Guy attempts to get back to the heart of ministry, he is thrust into the throes of dissuading his misguided church leadership from performing a strange and potentially blasphemous stunt for the upcoming Easter service while navigating his own personal problems. Church people will leave you laughing out loud while ultimately reminding you of the true meaning of the gospel. Watch church people at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Use promo code MOVIE for additional savings. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees like Portersville Christian School in Portersville, PA, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. One of my favorite TV shows that I watched since uh, COVID started was The Good Place, which I think was on ABC, but I saw it when it was on Netflix. Yeah. And um, it's a it's a really delightful show. It's not for kids, but it's a delightful show about people who died and they're in The Good Place. And so they're kind of talking about what they did on Earth anyway. And the, the plot goes into all sorts of places that I won't talk about because I don't want to give it away for people who haven't seen it. But um, one of the things that was really surprised, well, I don't know if it was surprising, but um, the actual good place that they go to, they got tired of because it was everything that they ever wanted. So it was like, you know, all the toys they wanted or, you know, the restaurants they wanted to go to or the car yeah. they wanted to have or the music they wanted to listen to. And over time, they just wore out. And well, wait, so, now, is God in a good place? Mm-mm. Are they worshiping? Well, no, there's no worshiping. Oh. There's no worshiping. God is kind of off screen, yeah. not a personality in the show. Okay. All right. So, so you can imagine how they ended up in that place ideologically, right? Mm-hmm. Because if there if there is no God and he's not a personality, then what else could heaven possibly be? Right. So anyway, um, that's the kind of thing I've been thinking about. It's a really wonderful cultural conversation that a lot of people are having and a wonderful opportunity for Christians to enter into that if you've ever watched the show or have some friends who have. So where do Christians go when they die? Ben C. Dunson is with us, minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. He's taught all over the place, including Reformed Theological Seminary in Dallas. And we're happy to have you on the program, Ben. Ben, thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, Ben. So clearly, uh, heaven is not a sitcom, is it? That's correct. <laughs> yes. So, Ben, talk to us about your view of heaven. 
uh, obviously, you know, when you, you thought about this, you prayed about this, where do people go when we die? Right. Well, so even as you guys were discussing this TV show, I was just thinking of this, um, this great uh, line in Augustine. I can't remember exactly where it is, but he talks about all the things that we enjoy in this life and how they're all subject to diminishing returns. I mean, he doesn't use that language, that modern language. And he just says, heaven is the exact opposite of that because we will have an infinite um, enjoyment of Jesus Christ in heaven and it will never be subject to the law of diminishing return. You will have more and more of Christ and you'll never have enough. You'll always be hungry and yet always satisfied. You'll always be hungry for more and yet satisfied with Christ. It's just wonderful uh, language uh, about heaven. And I think that really is the most important thing about heaven. That's something I, I wrote about is that we, we tend to fill heaven with all of the things that we love the most about this life. Um, and the biblical picture, I think, is that we will be just so deeply satisfied with the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Fabulous. So, Ben, what I love about this in the article at Desiring God, which is where we found you, where do Christians go when they die? What you've done is you've really you've given a really strong uh, scriptural basis for heaven. What is heaven like? Uh, uh, the resurrection of the body. Talk about this, because the Bible does present a pretty good overview of what heaven is going to be like, what we can anticipate. It doesn't answer everything, but there's certainly a lot to chew on, isn't there? Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it really is that, that sort of threefold um, uh, pattern that I tried to bring out is, is heaven is heaven is actually, and this is surprising sometimes to Christians, heaven is a temporary place in that it's the place we go where we die before our bodies are raised from the dead on the last day. And it's that place where we go to be in the, the conscious presence of Jesus Christ and, and to worship him. And it's the place where we're waiting for the final day when Christ returns to the earth, he raises us all up from the dead. And, um, and we have the final judgment at that point in time. And then he brings in the new creation. He, he transforms this whole created order that God made very good in the very beginning uh, to make that to be our permanent home um, where we will dwell with him forever in, in our raised bodies. And so, yeah, the, the, the Bible has just so much to teach about what heaven will be like, that there will be no more sickness, no more sadness, uh, no more tears for God's people, uh, because all of that will be made right. And we'll even be able to look back and see all of that that we endured in this life uh, in its proper perspective, I think. Ben, what about um, heaven, um, as you're saying, not being the final destination? Right, yeah. So, so as I said, I think that's sometimes a little bit almost shocking to hear that because we're so used to thinking just in terms of heaven. Uh, and, and certainly the, the Bible is very clear. We go to be in heaven. We go to be with Jesus Christ um, uh, when we die. Um, those of us who, who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we go to be with him. And, uh, and, and we're there. But that's, that can't be the final resting place for God's people because the final effects of sin haven't been dealt with yet um, because our bodies are still in the grave. And until our bodies are raised up from, from the grave, and until even uh, this world that God made, until all the effects of sin are done away with, that can't be the end, because then sin would still have the, the final say. 
So this new heaven and new earth with these new bodies, right? The resurrection of the body, this is a physical manifestation. This is not something that, you know, you would say is a higher spiritual thing, although of course it is, but you're talking actual physicality. I am. Yeah. I I do think that's, that's the biblical picture. I think you see this, especially clearly in places like Romans eight, Paul's letter to the Romans, where he talks about creation right now crying out. It's in the bondage to decay and it's, it's crying out. It's personified waiting for that day when that, that bondage to decay will be removed. And I think it's, it's certainly true that it's not just this world kind of made a little bit better. I mean, it's going to vastly exceed, I think, anything that we can really even imagine. Um, This transformation of the world to be made exactly as God intended it. Um, Paul uses an example, he uses an illustration in 1 Corinthians 15 of a seed and a full-grown plant Mm -hmm. to describe the resurrection body. I think we could kind of think in those terms. You know, it's the same thing. It's one thing that grows into the other, and yet it's so much different than the seed that it originally was. I think we could think of creation like that. Hmm. All right. So what about the resurrection of the body? Um, So our example is that, you know, Jesus is the one uh, who was seen uh, Mm -hmm. resurrected. Um, He was the one who, you know, people watched die um, in the grave for three days and then alive and then eating and interacting. And so what, what does that tell us about our future? Right. That's, that's a great question. I I mean, it tells us, it shows us that that physicality is, is not something to be embarrassed by, um, in in the new creation. He, he is in a very important sense, he's described as the forerunner, uh, or the first fruits of the new creation. And if he can eat, then we have every reason to believe that, uh, eating itself is not going to be completely done away with. I, mean, I don't know exactly what that means. I think we have to be careful that we don't go beyond scripture and mm-hmm. speculate. Um, but yes, as raised from the dead, he, he still ate. He could be touched. Um, his physicality wasn't uh, something that was done away with mm-hmm. in the resurrection. And what about the, what about the visibility of his scars? Right. And, and that... That I would be even more, um, I'd want to be more hesitant about with regard to us, because that's so central to who Christ is as the mm-hmm. Redeemer. I'm not sure that, um, that we should expect that we would necessarily see our own scars. I, I, there, I just, I don't know. Oh, I mean, no. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that you couldn't, but that's so central to who Jesus uh, was for us, that he, that he died for the forgiveness of sins. So we're talking about heaven. So Ben, you write, you say, we are, we are told only what we need to know about the nature of the new creation so as to motivate our faithful service to God in the present mm-hmm. on a need-to-know basis. Now, I love that. So my hope is, right, uh, a physical presence, if our parents were in the Lord, we'll be with them, reunited with them. There'll be this reunion. Can you speak to, and I don't even know how this is, the nature of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea about that? I mean, biblically supported, will we be aware of ourselves in relationship, in worship? What is, what's that like? Right. Well, so a, a really good place uh, to turn might be Second um, Corinthians chapter 5, where, where Paul talks about his current service uh, as an apostle as being away from the Lord. And then he says his desire is to, to come to that day when he will be at home with the Lord. 
uh, Jesus himself, he speaks to the thief on the cross and he says, today you mm -hmm. will be with me in paradise. And so uh, there's that sense of conscious enjoyment, you know, knowing Jesus, being with him, and um, not just being in some sort of blissful state where you don't even know what's going on around you. Now, the focus is not on so much on uh, our beloved who have died in Christ, who are around us, but there's, there's no reason to think that somehow that's going to be um, uh, something that we don't enjoy. I mean, nothing that is good in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ is somehow going to be diminished in heaven. That's one thing I'm confident of, even as I don't want to speculate. Um, I, I think we're going to be with those who are in the Lord, enjoying their presence as we all are centered on Christ uh, and, and worshiping him and enjoying him, but consciously doing that. Um, and C. Dunson is with us, minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. We're talking about a piece he wrote for Desiring God called Where Do Christians Go When They Die? Ben, before you came on the air, we were talking about uh, traveling. We were talking about whether you, you would live in a smaller house if you could travel more. Um, and traveling every time I go somewhere, I th it just renews in my head the hugeness of the globe mm. and how, you know, even if, you know, we were all independently wealthy and didn't have any obligations whatsoever, you still could never visit all of you it. Um, you could never feel like, you know, I've seen everything that there is to see. Um, and that always turns me in hope to what the, the new earth would be like. Um, so what do we know about that? What do we have to look forward to? Or what can we maybe even, I don't know. Extract. Yeah, extract. Right. Good word. Right. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I, I actually would go back to the beginning. I would go to Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, um, to, to answer that question in a lot of ways, is that God made this world. And we have over and over and over, you know, he saw that it was good. And then when he finally finishes his work, he saw all of it, that it was very good. So that includes the mountains and the oceans and uh, all the, the nations of the world. That was, that was a very good aspect of God's creation. It's not something that's going to be thrown off in the new creation. It's not going to be some merely spiritual reality where we, we don't get to enjoy those, those uh, wonderful things that God made. And in fact, I think it's just going to be all the more glorious because sin won't mm -hmm. get in the way. It won't obscure the goodness of God's creation in any way. And so nothing that we, nothing in this life that we uh, are able to see the glory of God in, you know, the, the created order, uh, Psalm 19, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, that's going to be all the more glorious in the new creation. Ben Dunson, where do Christians go when they die? So Ben, I mean, it's so optimistic, right? Of course you, <laughs> you love the Lord, uh, that final breath here on earth, and then that transition into a new heavenly realm that is so super exciting. It's kind of hard to put it into words to really sort of appreciate the reality. But, you know, even in our limited c capability, we have no idea what to expect the glory that awaits. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I mean, that's why Paul says himself in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, what no eye has seen, mm -hmm. nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared mm -hmm. for those who love him. We have a sense for what it's going to be, and yet it's going to be so much beyond what we can imagine. Yeah. That's good. Well, Ben, you've put a ton, a ton of work and time into this, and we really Excellent. appreciate your... Uh, your expertise in this and the, the scholarship that you put yeah. into it. So and the good you. news of it all. I really appreciate that, Ben. So thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure.
Ben Dunson is a minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. His work is called Individual and Community in Paul's Letters to the Romans. We'll step away for just a minute. Does this make sense? That's up next. Some home repairs simply can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, or composite. To show their appreciation to word listeners, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this station. Get 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off, backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. My name is Namrita Singh Gujral. I am a filmmaker and an immigrant. My film, America's Forgotten, uncovers the unintended consequences of a broken immigration system. The seven-year-old girl died in the desert. This child came from the country of India. I'm living in the child. I can't go to the police. I never expected this journey would lead me to a truth that I never intended to find. A great pillar of the community was killed by a man who had been deported at least twice. The public would be outraged if they knew the truth. I found how much Americans are being lied to regarding our immigration policies at the border. My friends, my industry, even my family, all rallied against the final message of this film. All credits had to be hidden for fear of retribution. If you care about the future of America, you should watch America's Forgotten. Go to SalemNow.com to buy a rent today for additional savings and our promo code FAMILY. SalemNow.com, promo code FAMILY. We are limiting the number of people in the office. It's patients and staff members only. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry begins with safety. We look a little different. We have more gear on, hand sanitizing stations throughout the office, frequently disinfecting all common areas. We're even using a UV light. All of these precautions are put into place for our patient's safety and our team member's safety. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com You could win $12,000 towards a new vehicle for you and another $12,000 for a hometown hero when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Go to WordFM.com to enter the Kindness Challenge today. That's WordFM.com Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight will be mostly cloudy and mild with on and off rain and drizzle late below 52. Tomorrow, a shower in the area early in the morning. It'll be breezy and warm with clouds breaking for some sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 71. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy and mild with a low of 54. Thursday, some sun, then turning cloudy, remaining warm with spotty afternoon showers and a high of 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? What does what make sense, Kat? 
rice cakes. In my life? Mm-hmm. I've probably eaten two. <laughs> what? They're nasty. Oh. And you know, a rice cake is like styrofoam. <laughs> I mean, there is no equation of good taste. I'm sure that, you know, the nutritional value, yada, yada, ding, dong, ding, and all that. But the rice cake itself... You could, I don't care if you could put golden honey, peanut butter, caviar, what have you. No, it does not make any sense to John Hall. None. Forget it. Fie on the rice cake, I say. Fie. That breaks my heart, Don. Breaks your heart. Not don't a, take it personal. I just, I have such an appreciation. Like, I have two rice cakes every day. Two? Two, two rice cakes a day. When I'm done with my workout, I have two rice cakes with peanut butter on them. And I, every day I think, I love these things. You. I love the texture. Mm. I love the little salt on there. I just mm. get the, the lightly salted ones. Mm. I just, they're only 35 calories a piece. Mm. They give you some taste. They give you that little bit of salt and you get all the crunching. I think they're so wonderful. You know what? Uh, my kid bought uh, some sign of which made it worse, like caramel flavor. Oh, that's, they're terrible. And I thought, no, I'm, no you I, don't need that. But I might, you know, I mean, really, literally, I've had two in my life. Um, I know you love them so much. So, okay, this is going to honk you off as well. Does this make sense? Flip flops. Oh, my gosh. No, flip flops. Do they make sense? Here's the thing. You stick the, your toes in the flip-flops for the summertime, that hurts the toe. I don't want that thing in my foot. The fl- and then when you, like, move a little quick, they fall off. They break. The flip-flop makes no sense whatsoever. None. I believe humankind was created to wear flip-flops. Ugh. I do. I feel like every other foot, piece of footwear is, is somehow a step down or away from the goal. The flip-flop. Six I- months of my life, I've got them on. As much really? as I possibly can. There was a time when, like, you know, you'd be like in college and you'd be at the gym and you had to wear a flip flop to the shower. Yeah. That's all. Seriously, I, I, the flip flop doesn't make the flip flop makes about as much sense as a rice cake. Most None. of the world wears flip flops. They know, and you don't. I know they do. But, uh, That's the way it is. At least in this corner of the world, flip flop. Nope. Rice cake. Nope. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. There is more, and so many never find it. That is the door of worship that will change your life from the monotonous to the momentous. It is the maximum privilege that we have. You were saved to worship God. Hear Adrian Rogers' series, Exalting Our Savior, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring 
friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-707-8989. That's 800-707-8989. 800-707-8989. Spring is in the air. Spring is everywhere. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Spring House. And spring is a great time of year on both our farm and our store. It kicks off with farm tours, and we just love sharing our farm with all those precious young folks. Graduation party season and wedding and shower season start up now, too. So my sister Jill and her catering crew are on the road in our Red Springhouse vans almost every day, delivering homemade country cooking to families all over the Tri-County area. My brother Sam and his farm guys are busy this time of year planting corn and pumpkins and hay, along with getting the cows milked and fed two times a day, too. The Springhouse store crew loves serving all the families that come to visit, to enjoy our homemade lunches and suppers, to take a zing down our hillside slot, and to top off their experience with a Springhouse ice cream concoction like a strawberry ice cream shortcake. Come see us and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Don't let pests scare away your business. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. When cold drives pests and rodents inside, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team has your business covered. Get a free quote on your pest control and sanitation plan for the upcoming year with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Boo's Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. I don't know if this is still a thing, but I remember years ago being a kid and like the old schoolyard taunt, you wanted to get under the skin of one of your buddies, you know, and he was talking to a girl. You'd go, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Eddie in a baby carriage, right? Uh, There's a a progression. There's a, you know, sort of a a flow to the, to the, what the complexities of life and, you know, boil it down into a schoolyard chant. Well, more people are living together than ever before, and it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's secular. It means evangelicals or Christians or whomever, people who know and love the Lord, they are cohabitating now. David Ayers is with us. David's professor of sociology at Grove City College, author of the upcoming book, Beyond the Revolution, Sex and the Single Evangelical. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you, David. And boy, things have changed a lot. I'm thinking in particular from a church perspective, we can talk about from a cultural perspective too, but you know, I've been involved in the same church for a long time. And just to see the numbers of people who come into the church who want to be married in the church, and they've been living together for three weeks, three months, three years, and whatever. And there's no, there's no awareness that that would, that that would, you know, violate a church teaching. There's really no interest in it. And, And I think, wow, you know, it seems like each year there are more and more people who think that way. They are shocked if you actually express an objection to it and think there's something wrong with it. And unfortunately, what a lot of our pastors are facing is that oftentimes their friends, their parents, and fellow members of their congregation are shocked. Really? Okay. They they expect you increasingly to accept this. 
that we that because of course it's mainstream so if the mainstream secular culture should uh, accept this then what's wrong with christian culture so uh, david you know you talk in the piece that you wrote for christianity today the cohab- cohabitation dilemma comes from america's pastors that you say that that's exactly what you did you went and you talked in 2019 to a bunch of your contemporaries about cohabitation and how it's affected them how they inter- intersect uh, were you surprised by the results that people were, you know, getting pushback that they thought, well, you know, uh, you're a pastor, you should just be cool with this like everybody else is? No, uh, but part of the reason I wasn't surprised by the results is because I'd been speaking in churches and I also addressed a large uh, group of pastors uh, earlier. And I looked at the show of hands and then I had people coming up to me and telling me, anguish stories about their experiences with this, including um, I don't do weddings anymore because I got tired of dealing with the pushback and I just didn't want to be dishonest to the scriptures. But, you know, people would get really angry with me if I took a stand on this. And um, a lot of other pastors, too, were already in the process of really curtailing weddings in their churches because of their concern about state interference and same-sex marriage and licensing and all this kind of thing anyway. So it's just been one more thing that's really made it difficult, I think, for them to do their jobs uh, while trying to uphold the clear teaching of the Word of God. Right. So now this is a this is a difficulty that every Christian believer is having, because if you uh, subscribe to a biblical ethic, there is a sexual ethic in it. And um, for people who are outside the church, they can't understand that. And that's that's fine because they don't you know that that, that you know, as Paul says, we don't have to worry about judging people who are outside the church. Um, but for people who are inside the church, um, I think that's where my greatest sadness is. The people who have grown up in the church, who, you know, recognize the authority of the Bible or have, you know, been there week after week. Um, there's even in people who are churched, as far as background goes, there's still like a disassociation when it comes to a sex ethic. Well, part of the problem is, you know, looking at the Bible and and using our culture as a kind of a barometer in terms of what we kind of would want to view as trivial sins, right? Well, it's Mm -hmm. it's not a big sin. It's kind of like a white lie, right? It's not that big of a deal. And then I think part of it is, and and I've actually got this from at least one of the pastors I interviewed, and I get this from other people. Hey, look, you know, we're dealing with transgenderism. We're dealing with same-sex marriage. Uh, we're, we're dealing with, with trying to figure out what the ramifications of the Equality Act are going to be on our churches. You know, why are you worried about this stuff? Why are you worried about cohabitation? Why are you worried about sex outside of wedlock? You know, that, that's just not a big deal. And that, that's oftentimes thought, but, you know, at least I'm not doing something really bad, you know. But the problem is, of course, is that the, the Word of God, while certainly giving us a sense of the seriousness of different sins, they're not all just the same. Nevertheless, um, we serve a holy God, and and, um, teachings about sexual purity are very central. Uh, And in fact, were one of the ways that in the early Roman period, the Romans distinguished the Christians and the Jews from everybody else because their standards were so high in this area. So to turn our back on that now would be terrible. On top of that, of course, it looks like hypocrisy for for people who are struggling with some of these other issues, because to them, it means, well, you guys don't take heterosexual sin seriously. You know, you're not worried about Mm -hmm. about fornication. What you're worried about is, you know, things that give you the ooh factor. Right. And 
and then, so in fact, you know, we, we think, well, this isn't a big deal. Look at th- these other things are the real problems. But the people who are struggling with those real problems, many of whom are in the faith with us, struggling alongside us, are wondering why we turned a blind eye to an elder's yep. son living with his girlfriend out of wedlock, but we're going to come down on him for having a boyfriend and maybe in some ways living with more integrity uh, than the yeah. heterosexual couple. And I, I feel for that. I think that yeah, that's a I very valid concern. Now, of course, uh, oh, I'm sorry. we're speaking with David Ayers from Grove City College about a piece um, that's in this month's edition of Christianity Today that David wrote, The Cohabitation Dilemma Comes from American Pastors. Now, David, of course, you know this, and I think probably most people who live together or uh, uh, choose to live together know this. Uh, late last month, this is from um, The Atlantic, the Journal of Marriage and Family published a new study with a somewhat foreboding finding. Couples who lived together before marriage had a lower divorce rate in their first year of marriage, but had a higher divorce rate after five and 10 years. I mean, people have talked about this for a long time, right? They have. I mean, just straight up, people that live together first are more likely to get divorced. The big argument as to whether or not that's just a selection effect. You know, people that live together are the type of people that would be more likely to get divorced anyway. Um, One of the reasons why their divorce rate is a little lower up front is because there's something called the early marriage letdown. And they've already gone through that because let's say they moved in three years ago. They've already kind of gone through that process. But then what happens is as their marriage enters its more mature phase, while the, while the couple that really prepared properly for marriage is growing and working through that um, and getting through a lot of those first, you know, those trials that many people experience in their early marriage, they're, they're beginning to fall apart because rather than preparing for marriage the way that they should have, they thought that cohabitation was going to basically do that for them. And that is one of the biggest myths out there uh, about cohabitation. And in my college teaching, mo- most of my students actually still believe that. They're shocked, and a lot of them will refuse to believe, even when I put it right in front of them, that cohabitation does not work as a practice marriage, that, in fact, the, the dissolution rate of cohabitation is extraordinarily high. And and so let's let's talk about why it's hard for people to realize that ahead of time. And I'm not, so if we're, if we're taking the biblical ethic out of it, we're just talking, you know, from, from pra- practical reasoning. Um, what do you think it is that causes people to say, Oh, I'm sure that's not the case, even when they're confronted with data to the contrary. Well, uh, you know, I think first of all is that I've never, and, and I'd be willing to apply this to myself as a sinner. Uh, never underestimate the ability of people to look reality in the face and deny it if it goes against their deeply held. Beliefs. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, right. But the other, but the point. other thing is, is that they're not really hearing it from many people. Um, most college classes on marriage and family today aren't going to deal with it at all. They're going to side the issue. They're not really hearing it in high school. And if you watch television, you know, really for at least the last 10 or 15 years, the first thing people do when they get, quote, serious is they live together. And, and it's, it's presented as the most natural, normal sure. thing in the world. And so, you know, it's just like they're, it's like the water they're swimming in. And so in some ways, when I'm standing up in a classroom and I'm dealing with sophomores and juniors, they're oftentimes hearing it for the first time. It's, it's one or two class periods out of a whole semester. 
And this is the first time they've ever heard it in their lives. Okay. So then you look at like, you know, mainstream, right? I mean, uh, I've not seen it, but I've certainly read about it. Uh, the Bachelor. I mean, you know, that TV show where couples are getting together. I mean, they're having sex like, you know, on the first date or so. So when you think about uh, living together, that seems very quaint by comparison. So I, I wonder, then, David, are you saying even at Christian universities, students coming in, is it Bible illiteracy that drives a lot of this or just total ignorance? Well, I, one is I think that... <clears throat> The degree of Bible illiteracy today among people who've been raised in Christian churches and home is shocking. Um, how many of them have never actually even read the whole Bible and really thought it through? Um, that, that's, that's a huge issue of itself. But then we also have the problem that we're now bringing assumptions, very relativistic, very identity-centered. Uh, you know, I get to construct my own reality, you know, um, Reality has to conform to my expectations and desires of it. And it's in the air that we breathe. You know, transgenderism is, is just one kind of symptom of, of something that's been with us for a long time, that we kind of think that reality bends to our desires, to our mm-hmm. dictates. Yeah. And so w- they look at Scripture that way. And so what many of the pastors I've talked to and what I've confronted myself will say is that, They'll say, yes, the Bible says that's wrong, but that's why it's not wrong in my case. And Mark Regneris um, and others have documented interviews with evangelical and Catholic teenagers where they, they talk about sex, for example, that way, yeah, the Bible teaches, but this is why it's okay for me. And it's, there's, so they, we have these mechanisms to neutralize reality and to neutralize biblical teaching that are very potent, and I don't think most pastors and youth workers have yet really figured out how to cope with those things. Yeah, I really like that term. We have the ability to neutralize reality. I mean, that's that's the case for every single one of us, yes, you know, regardless of what sin we're talking about. I mean, the I last thing I want to do is, is, you know, point out someone else's issue and I got a log at my own eye. Yeah. Well, David, thanks. I mean, uh, there's a lot there. And of course, we've just scratched the surface. Yeah, but, thank uh, you. Your article in this edition, this month's edition of Christianity Today does a deep dive. I should also say that it uh, features some local pastors here in the city of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. as well. So kudos to you for the scholarship and uh, for the call that we need to hear, especially for, uh, you know, anyone who's considering cohabitation. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity and I hope, you know, I hope it does some good. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, David. We do, too. This month's edition, The Cohabitation Dilemma, comes from America's pastors, David Ayers from Grove City College. This Easter, meet the girl everyone is talking about. You saw God and then brought a dead bird back to life. No, I didn't. God didn't. Sir, do you think you can help me walk again? Could you say a prayer for me? The girl who believes in miracles. It's impossible. I thought he was never supposed to walk again. He wasn't. It was Sarah. Sometimes a little faith is all you need to change the world. Mom, it really was God. The girl who believes in miracles. From Mustard Seed Production. Rated PG. Parental guide suggests in theaters Easter weekend. Right now, there are more starving people on Earth than ever before. Drought, hurricanes, a global pandemic, all have led to millions of people who were once hungry, now living on the edge of starvation. People on the brink of starvation going from 135 million to 270 million people around. So where is the hope? The hope comes through you. You bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. 
today. You can make sure a child has the life-saving food she needs to thrive during these difficult times. Through Food for the Poor, $37 gives six months of life-saving food. So how many children can you rescue? Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. When you give food, you give hope and life. Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. It only takes a moment to rescue a child. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. Or click the Food for the Poor banner at wordfm.com. Don't let pests haunt your home this winter. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. When bats and rodents move in, Boo and his Bug Stoppers team are ready to serve them an eviction notice. Get a free quote on your pest problem today with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee to safely treat your problem until it's gone. When it comes to solving your pest problem, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. Save up to $300 on top-rated brands like Sealy and Sleepies at Mattress Firm right now. And you can get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 or more to elevate your sleep every night. Save big. Sleep better. Shop the Cine Annual Sale now. For cancer patients, being a survivor doesn't begin at remission. It begins at diagnosis. Word FM presents Survivor Stories, stories of hope, of faith, and courage. In the words of patients and caregivers who are living through cancer together. Share your story at wordfm.com. Survivor Stories, sponsored in part by Young Adult Survivors United and Geneva College. Details at wordfm.com. The government relies on churches for crisis response. What an open door for community impact. Your church can be a trained responder by taking the Ready Church Learning Track at christianemergencynetwork.org. ChristianEmergencyNetwork.org. Through the Ready Church Track, you will assess your church's strengths and learn how you can be most efficient in responding in times of crisis while strengthening your own congregation's preparedness. ChristianEmergencyNetwork.org. Several very dark, painful years of cancer and cancer treatments. But uh, when we're together, he often recounts the story of that day when he was called cancer-free. And he tells that story of ringing that bell and walking out into the sunshine and thinking, yeah, man, I'm, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. So we know those stories. I think everybody knows somebody who's had cancer and uh, been blessed to survive. Well, Word FM presents survivor stories, which are stories of hope, of faith, and courage in the words of the patients themselves, those cancer survivors. And we want to hear your story, and uh, we ask you to go online, wordfm.com forward slash survivors. We read your story on the air. We're going to give you a gift certificate to a local restaurant. Go out and treat yourself. And a grand prize winner as well, which will be chosen entirely at random, Get yourself a nice stay at Buell Mansion, Buell Mansion and some other great prizes. So Survivor Stories, that starts on air. Us reading that story next Monday afternoon. Kath? Yeah. Okay. So one of the um, surprises coming out of the Trump era is that it looks like we're going to be finding some more information about UFOs. Now, I would not have connected those two, but news comes today that perhaps, I don't know, in the next month or so, there will be a... a, uh, not a report released. It'll be more like uh, facts leaked. Right. So this is a legislation which President Trump signed into law was this bureaucratic uh, nesting doll. I'm reading from the Washington Post. Uh, 5,500 pages contained the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year. An unusual provision in there that talks about understanding advanced aerial threats. 
So the government's talking about it and putting it out there. UFOs, the government's nodding their head. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.